Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. After decades on the corporate farm as a shy, introverted engineer, John Seppes realized that the cubicle could no longer contain him. So he escaped. It was a rocky road, but now he's on a mission to ensure talented solopreneurs turn every business first impression into a second one by raising what he calls their ROC, Return on Conversation so they can profit more without grinding more. Hello, Josh. What a great concept you have going on there. Hi, Leticia. Thank you for having me. Such an honor. Well, I'm very excited about this because, you know, of course, I do some research about all my guests before the show, and I know I'm going to enjoy this one. I must say this on every episode, but it's true. I learned so much <laughs> from all my guests. So, Josh, I mean, obviously, you had a fascinating journey in the first half of your life. So let's start, you know, at the beginning. Tell us about your childhood and, you know, um, what did you enjoy doing? That's very important to me and for my audience is to try to identify what you were passionate about early on. And if that passion ever, you know, permeated into what you ended up doing in your older years. Yeah, great question. So I grew up as a soldier. That's how I grew up. I was I was the good soldier. Okay, I, I don't I think I've do. had someone a soldier before. I had well, yes. yeah, one, but okay, I love that. So tell me about that. Where were you wanted to be that as a young child? Oh no 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 no, not military soldier. I just I obeyed everything. Okay, I was okay. I was the good the good boy, right? I I got it. Josh, do this. You're going to college. So from when I was very young, I was told you're going to college. You're going to college. You're going to college. I was the first one in my family to actually graduate from college, as it turned out. Oh, wow. And so I just, I tried to please everyone. I tried to be the good, the good boy, the good person. So I followed all the rules. I went to school. I got grades. I'm not sure about good grades, but I got grades, <laughs> multiple degrees, you know, climbed the corporate ladder. So I, I did what I was supposed to do. And but when you study, when you pick your career, did you pick also what, you know, was instilled in you or at least you were thinking, OK, I like this. I'm going to pursue that. No, I did choose something I liked, which was engineering. So I spent okay. 20 years as a, a semiconductor engineer, electrical engineer. OK, so I did choose that because I like math. I'm very analytical. I was always been a very shy person, too. Very shy. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, when you follow rules, when you're told what to do. You're not supposed to stick your head up. You're not supposed to challenge. So I always just kind of shied away in my life. And uh, I was shy for the first 37 years of my life. Wow. That's a, I imagine that was a big realization, right? When you look back and you, I'm yeah. sure you didn't define yourself as shy, but then it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was shy and I never challenged, you know, others and that that's great that you, you know, you got to that realization. I, I mean, in 37 is not early, but it's not old neither. Like it, it gave you enough time to redefine your life, which I guess what is what we're going to talk about. So, yeah, it's never too late. That's for sure. You know, I look back and I don't recognize the person I was. 
was like, mm. man, I, I just can't imagine just being so shy and introverted. And, you know, basically I suppressed my genius, all those things I was really good at. I just started, I ignored it. I was like, Josh, don't worry about that stuff. Yeah, you're good at it, but no, 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 no. You need to be professional. You need to follow the script. You need to do what you're supposed to do. And that's where I was for 37 years. Wow. And I and I love this part because I know this is where a lot of my audience probably is, you know, or is in the process of my my goal is to be an, uh, an agent of change and to yes. help those that are following the script or that don't have a script, but they don't like where they're going to to revisit what is it that they're going through and all that, because there's only one life and it's short. And if That's we right. don't use it, you know, right. My biggest fear is not to put my talents to good use. And to end to the to get to the end of the road, saying, "Oh, I wish." And I don't know what I read that regret of not doing what you wanted yeah. to do is the number one thing that you know people that are on their deathbed uh, have. And I don't want to be that person. No, me neither. And they say most people tiptoe through life, hoping to make it safely to death. Oh my and god, I, that's a good one. I never that's heard a, that. That's a juicy nugget, huh? Because yes, that is. Boy, I just I think of that that visual it paints for me tiptoeing through life, hoping to make it safely to the finish line is wow. like, that's horrific. I, I, that I never want to be that. That is horrific. I never heard that, but definitely repeatable. Thank you. That's a yes. nugget of, <laughs> of wisdom. So let's say you have, you know, what many people may be listening to this and even me in the younger years, you in your younger years say, I'm going to get the corporate career. I'm an engineer. You're respected by everybody. You're making good money. You know, everything checks, check in the box. And yep. then was there something that happened in your life that made you revisit like, okay, I'm, I'm following the wrong direction here? Yeah, I got a few wake up calls, but I remember one in particular. I think mm -hmm. it was, it might've been the one of the first wake up calls. And I won't get into too much detail about it uh, because it gets into like finance. However, I realized that the one thing I really believed in, which is my 401k, my retirement plan. So when you work for a corporation, the, the whole idea is you work really hard for 30 or 40 years and you get a retirement plan and you live the rest of your life the way you want, right? You're yeah. free. It, that's, that's the idea. Yes. I found out after 18 years of max funding my retirement plan that it was never going to work. Mathematically impossible. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you can imagine, think about this. After 18 years of you're doing the right thing, you really believe in what you're doing and you find out it was a lie. That, mm. that. You can that pissed me off, right? <laughs> but here's but here's what really made me mad. This is what really set me off. I wasn't supposed to know it wasn't supposed to work. I wasn't supposed to figure that out until I was 65 years old and it was too late. And then mm -hmm. I would have been screwed. That's what set me over the edge. Not that yeah. I was lied to, but that I wasn't supposed to figure out the lie so yeah. early. And then yeah. I said, "All right, if I if this is what's going on, I need to figure out what else, what else am I being lied to in other areas of life?" So I opened up all the cabinet doors, so to speak. I started looking at, you know, entrepreneurship and health and happiness and what successful people do that I didn't know that they do. And I started digging and digging. And eventually you start, you know, you start seeing the code in the matrix. You start seeing the glitches yes. and start seeing the truth. And then you can't sit still. You can't buy the lie anymore. You can't just pretend it's all going to work out. So I had to escape. I had to get out of corporate and start doing some other things. Wow, that's fascinating. And I totally relate with you. My wake up call wasn't exactly that, but similar because I worked for a 150,000 people company. Nortel was one of the biggest company in telecom. And, uh, you know, 
it went down. It went down yeah. so fast. And the way they had to lay off people and the way it just came crumble, crumbling down, it was really some a realization. Like you, yeah. even if your bosses had good intentions, even if no one likes to lay off people, nothing, it just happened. You're a number, you're a, you're a payroll number that the company needs to improve at some point, and then you're going to be out. And all these things that you work for, and I always say say to people when I listen to them talking about my company, right? And they talk about we and we and we, and I say, do they realize that, I mean, I'm all for team spirit, and and it's good to feel part of the company, but they talk like this is their company, and they're making huge sacrifices, personal sacrifices for the we, and the we is not we when the times are bad. (laughs) No, that's an excellent point. And, and let's make sure this is very clear because I'm very passionate about this. When you have a job, you don't own a job. You're renting a position, you're renting an income. And I'm not saying this as a judgment, just make sure you understand that you own nothing. And that's okay, right? As long as you understand that because companies pay the position, they don't pay the person. Yes, They're not paying absolutely. you, they're paying the position because the moment you leave, they'll replace you with another human battery. They'll, they'll just plug in someone else and they'll but, keep paying the position. Yeah, but why would, you, why would you say in your experience, because you obviously work with a lot of people, is that why do people think they're indispensable? This is one of the biggest things I see over and over. People tell you what they do and they yeah. truly believe that the yeah. company cannot keep going on because they do so much more and they're never gonna find someone like them. Because they were, they, it's, it's called delusion. And I, I'm, I'm going to put it very nicely. We, we have to sleep at night, Leticia. We can't look if we go to a job that we know we have no control over, that we can get laid off from tomorrow, that we realize it's not our company, but it's our employer. When we go home, we're going to be depressed. We're not going to be able to sleep at night. So we kind of have to lie to ourselves, like a little white lie saying, I'm important. My company loves me. But deep down, I think we know that loyalty is a one way street. We know that the loyalty we show to our company is not going to be shown back in return. We kind of know that, but we have to lie to ourselves so we sleep at night. And this is this is the conundrum. This is the rat race that we get caught in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Unless we, you know, um, I'm an optimist mm-hmm. and, a, and a dreamer, unless we change the business culture and we yeah. do more of conscious business and we create companies where the loyalty is really a two-way street. And it's very yes. hard. And I think... You know, there's several movements out there that look to do that. And in leadership, you know, any leader that uh, excels those values and those things can make a change, but it's very, very hard. <laughs> so, yeah, so it can did, be done. Yeah, it can be done. So you break free, you found your freedom, and then you say, I'm going to go on my own. And you created your own business. So tell us yep. about that. So <laughs> this might help your audience. For anyone thinking of leaving corporate, I made the classic mistake. I left corporate and I said, hey, I'm free, I'm free. But really, I was free falling. (laughs) I wasn't ready. My mindset was still an employee mindset. It took years for me to transition from an employee mindset to an entrepreneurial mindset. So that is so good. That is so (laughs) good. That's another, I'm going to call it my second nugget of wisdom, real. Like that is the mindset. Wow. Very, very powerful. It's everything. It's absolutely everything. Everything you think you know about life and business when you're an employee does not apply. In fact, it's the exact opposite in entrepreneurship. 
And I see that what you call the free falling, because I had, as I say, I'm an agent of change and I'm kind of, you know, I work for the family business, but I like to think myself that I've taken my share fair of risks. Yeah. Um, so I, I see like I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a creator. And I think I, I always say I love to make the impossible possible. Even with this podcast, when I started, people were making fun and now I'm at 150 episodes and I've had yeah. pretty great guests in it. Yeah. And, you know, it's still, you know, it's still going and, but, you know, just moving forward into what you do, but the mindset thing, because I see, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do something else. And then they do something else until someone else offers them another job that it's, in my opinion, worse than the one they had, Right. <laughs> but maybe offers them more money or whatever. And then they take it. And I say, why, weren't you going to do something on your own? And didn't you say all these things? And now yeah. another job comes, which is very similar to the one you didn't like. It's not going to take you where you say you're going to want to go. And you take it because the mentality and the mindset, what you're saying is still there. Your identity was still tied to being a, an employee. It's your identity. Mm -hmm. It's your self-worth. When ours, we, we will, here's another great nugget. And, and mm -hmm. I hope, I hope everyone marinates on this one. This one's so important. You will only get out of life what you feel you deserve, not what you actually deserve, what you feel you deserve at the time. So if you're making $10 an hour, it's because you feel you deserve $10 an hour. If you go get a different job for 12 bucks an hour, but you still are at a $10 per hour identity, you will find a way to screw the job up. You will actually leave the job. The job will fire you. You will mess up and you will go back to your $10 per hour job. It's like a thermostat. There's, wow. there's really no way around this. The only thing you can do is raise your identity. Once you feel you're worth $15 an hour, you will actually find work at $15 an hour. That, that deserves marinating indeed. Yes. <laughs> so That's a deep I one. take it. Yeah. So I take it that this is really what your mission is, is how do we increase those extra five bucks? How do you be, make that, that change and that switch into, into believing and to, into your worth? Yes. Yes. That's a big part of it. My bigger mission though, all, overall is to bring humanity back to business. I want mm. people, this is going to sound weird, but I think we should all get paid for being ourselves. Not, not for being what someone else wants us to be, not for slaving away, making someone else's company great. I think we should get paid for our own genius. I think everyone's got a genius, something natural talent that they can bring to the world that they have to bring to the world. They must bring to the world. It's a responsibility. If you do something so well, better than anyone else, you know, it's your responsibility to share it. And if you do it properly, you should also get paid for it. And you get paid more for doing that than for doing anything else. That is definitely, you know, valuable. And I think that's, it's almost intuitive, but it's hard to understand. And, yeah. uh, when I saw what you did, you know, in a, in a way, three years ago, when I started my podcast, for whatever reason, I don't know, I'm always on a self-development growth mode. But good, it I, never ends. That's, that's it good. never ends. <laughs> and it's been 20 years since I ended my real corporate job and I joined the family business, which my dad founded 50 years ago. So working in the family business creates a whole different set of identity issues that, yes, yes, <laughs> that are worth of several <laughs> podcast episodes. But, you know, it also creates a big responsibility of legacy, of you're working for something bigger. It, it, right. it's, not, it's not all terrible. But I realized that I was so intertwined in the family business that people saw me and they saw the business. And I say, I want to be seen as me. 
not as a business. And I created my own webpage and I created, and people were asking me like, why on earth would you create? Like, do you want to be a, a, a coach or something? I say, no, but I just want to be me. And I want my brand to shine, not the company. And I want them yes. to see Leticia. I don't want them to see Neptuno. Neptuno is part of Leticia, but I, don't, I, I kind of felt so strong about it. And I know that's a lot of what you teach and what you coach on and what you help people do. And I think this is such important work you're doing because we all should have our own personal brand, what we stand for. 100%. And I yeah. would definitely want to, and, and I don't know what, how it's serving me, why, I don't know why <laughs> I did it. Obviously, when I read your stuff, I say, okay, well, my intuition was right and I was moving in this direction. But I, and I know I do the podcasting and people think I'm quitting my job and my company because I'm doing the podcasting because their identity has to be labeled with That's something. Right. They, they cannot believe that I'm doing both things. That's right. And to your point, uh, a couple of things. You made me write something down, which I love. So you, okay. you inspired me right now just to come up with this. You should not get purpose out of what you do. Mm-hmm. What you do should come out of your purpose. Mm, I love that. You got to start with your purpose first and then what you do. And to your point about personal brand, I want everyone to think of personal brand like an umbrella. All it is, it defines your legacy, your reason why you get out of bed every morning. It's your reason for existence. And then underneath that umbrella goes anything that's in alignment with your purpose. So a podcast, a business, the family business, maybe you're running marathons, like it doesn't matter. You can do many things as long as it's in alignment with your bigger purpose, your stand, why you exist, what you're, what, what do you stand for? What do you stand against? What is your mission? Everyone should have a mission. If you, if people don't have a mission, you're going to be lost. If you don't have a vision, you know why people quit in life? This, this is fascinating because I teach this in, in something called goal crushing. Mm-hmm. People quit in life because they can't see the finish line. Mm. Think about that. We're, we work so hard, right? We're, we're spending lots of time, energy, money. We're getting beat up every single day. We're getting crapped on. We're, we're bruised. We're bloodied. We're muddied. And we just, if you can't see the finish line, you're like, it's not worth it. So we give up. But that's one of my secrets is as long as you know where you're going, if you can see that finish line, it doesn't matter how hard you get hit. You're just going to keep going because you know at the end of the day, it's going to be worth it. So we give up because we can't see the finish line. That's my secret when I do my race. I, I do obstacle course races. Uh-huh. The first thing I do when I show up to the race is I go to the finish line and I make sure it's there and I touch it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. it's the finish line. Okay. <laughs> so I know halfway through the race when I'm tired and I got mud everywhere and I've been cut up and I'm just like, I don't want to keep going. I just think, oh, wait a minute, Josh. As long as you keep going, there's a reward at the end. There's, there's, appreciation there's an identity boost there's an accomplishment and that's what keeps me going mm, very powerful very powerful and and i know that there's people out there listening that all this is resonating and i'm sure you you encountered this right that you have a conversation and it's you know it's resonating you know they want to do it but then life gets in the way right they keep doing things <clears throat> and the and and so do you have any technique, anything that, you know, to unstuck when we get in that mode and you, you feel you want to do it, but you just don't get the courage or don't get the time? What can we advise people that, you know, are listening to us and want to take that extra step? Yeah, great question. The first step in any of this 
is getting clarity. We got to sit down and we got to get clear on why we exist. We got to get clear on our mission and we have to commit to it. That's the tough part. And there's lots of different ways to commit to it. But here's, here's an exercise that I, that I think would be fun for people. Sit down and write your ideal eulogy. It sounds weird. It sounds morbid. Like, mm-hmm. Josh, I don't want to write my eulogy. No, no, no. Write your eulogy in detail. What are people going to say about what, not just about you as your personality, like, oh, you know, Leticia, she was such a happy person and she smiled a lot. Like, that's not that stuff. I'm talking about the impact you made in the world. What are people going to say? Are they going to say anything? Or are you just going to be a blip and a forgotten name in another 50 years? What are they going to say? Oh, Leticia did this. She helped this type of community. This is the impact she had. Here's her legacy. Here's what is going on, even though she's not here with us. Here is what's continuing. Here's the ripple effect that she created. Define what that is and make that ideal. No, no limits. And, and make it specific. Put exact company names. Exact. In fact, make up two people and let them speak at your eulogy and write, their, write what they would say. So they're going to say, before I met Leticia, this is where I was. I was in a really dark place. My mom had just passed away. And I wasn't sure I was worth anything, da, 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 right? Whatever that is. And then when I met Leticia, this is exactly how she helped me. And now here's how I am impacting the world. Create two people like that. Really, the more detail you can make on your eulogy, the more real it becomes. And then once you create this, spend the rest of your life making it come true. And that's where you need help, right? That's where, and I'll be honest, everyone should have a mentor, a coach, somebody on the outside who can help bring this stuff out of them, who can really hold them accountable because we're not going to hold ourselves accountable. That's why, that's why people get distracted because <laughs> yeah. we can't hold ourselves accountable. Are you kidding me? If you need to, if you're trying to get in better physical shape, New Year's is coming up. So if you need to like lose some fat, everyone's, you know, that's the number one thing, weight loss. And you say, say you sign up for a gym membership and it's 4am and you're tired and your alarm goes off and you're going to be like, ah, I'm real tired. I'll, I'll go tomorrow. And then we hit the snooze button. We go back to sleep. But if you had a workout partner that was already at the gym waiting for you and you're like, oh, it's 4 a.m. I'm tired. I want to go back to sleep. But oh, my goodness, if I don't show up, Leticia is never going to let me forget it. She's going to get on my case. <laughs> Fine. I'll get up. And then you go to the gym. You end up having an amazing workout. The endorphins are flowing. You have, you feel better about yourself. Your identity gets raised. You have an amazing day. It makes your relationships better, your career better. And you look back and say, you know what? Thank goodness I went to the gym this morning. That's the power of accountability. That's the power of having someone outside of you on the journey with you. Don't do it by yourself. So I'm sorry, that was a lot of stuff, but that's... No, I think it's great. And Mm -hmm. it's a great call to action because I, I, you know, I see the people that, that could write that and say, this is the eulogy I want to write. But I also see the people that say, but why would I want to create ripple effects? Like, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I've been told sometimes, like, why are you always searching to do new things? It must be because you're not happy. And yeah. I say, actually, it's the opposite because I'm happy and I want to do more and I want to explore more and I want to see how it can help. But there's really people that think that if they have a happy environment, stable environment, stable marriage, solid job. Why would I want to create ripple effects? Stability is a lie. 
The comfort. So I was in the comfort zone. I'm speaking from experience. The comfort zone is a lie. It is comfortable for a short while, but it's never meant to last. The comfort zone always leads to the discomfort zone. There's no, there's no way around it. <clears throat> so either you prepare for the discomfort coming up and you're ready for it, or it's going to take you down. The comfort zone is not meant to last. Nature, nothing in nature is comfortable. Do you understand everything in nature has to struggle for survival? Everything has to struggle to grow. The seed, when the, the seed sprouts, it has to, or, or, that, or the egg hatches, it's a struggle to get out. And it's that way on purpose because it makes us stronger. It makes life worth living. It gives us the purpose. Without the struggle, the comfort zone is just a fake thing. It, it's, it's, um, it's kind of a disease of a first world culture. Mm. We, well, it's the best explanation I've ever gotten about that, by the way. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we have, we have, um, <laughs> we are very fortunate, but at the same time, it's, it's, we're very privileged, at least in the U.S. So I'll talk about Abs the U.S. here. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, you know, I was mm -hmm. just, I'm not from the U.S., as my audience knows, I'm from Venezuela, and yes. I was just recently in Mexico for a wedding, and I was telling my husband, who's Dutch, and but he's lived in Latin America too, I say, I miss this because when you go to Latin America, you go to a place. I went to Guadalajara. It's a be oh, beautiful yeah. place, but it's very poor in certain areas, very rich in other areas. Like that's how I grew up. But we grow, grew up in a way where everything is intertwined. So you're humbled every single yes. day because every time you drive with your fancy car through a, a poor area, you get reminded, I'm lucky, I'm blessed. And yes. unfortunately, in the U.S., the way the cities are built, they're built not to see the ones more disadvantaged than you. And people don't mingle yes. in the way that we do in other countries. And I definitely agree with you that that's, that doesn't serve the U.S. In a, in a good way because we take for granted what we have. And it happens, as, as I say, I used to travel to Latin America all the time and I, I, I haven't because of pandemic and all that. And now that I went back to Mexico, I'm like, huh, and I miss yeah. this. I miss this because it brings a quality in my soul that I don't want to forget, which is I'm blessed and I'm fortunate. Yeah, I was in Mexico City a couple months ago for a race up in the mountains, 10,000 foot. Oh, and nice. So I got to go. I had a, I rented a car and I went through the city and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And the cool part is people were just everybody was so kind and appreciative of what they have or what they didn't have. You know, you go into the markets and you see people that are just there. There wasn't this vitriol. There wasn't this 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 anger or hatred. Yeah. Among anyone. There's life. When me and my husband say you, yeah. we feel life in here. In the poorest yeah. of areas, people are having a michelada. Yeah. They're enjoying their Saturday afternoon, sitting on the square, chatting to each other. The yes. kids are playing on the street, dirty, whatever. But you, it's almost like you see more happiness than what you see at the mall, at any mall in the U.S., you know, where there is so much exuberance. Yeah, we call it the exuberance. And uh, yeah. it's sad. And I, that's why I always encourage. And as I raise my kids here, uh, we always say, you know, we have to go and, and do some charity and do something where we expose our kids, you know, to this, because it's very important that you get the full picture that the rest of the world, you know, in many, many places, you know, they have it way worse, way, way, way worse than what anybody can imagine here. Yeah, yeah. And that also goes back to what you're talking about with people in the comfort zone. I feel that we have a responsibility to help other people. 
And that's, and honestly, that's where our self-worth comes from. Our self-worth comes from service to others. So someone who's like, I'm comfortable, I'm good. I just want to kind of float by. They're actually, their self-worth is very low. That's the, that's the sign that they don't really think a lot of themselves because it's, it's basically a defense mechanism. They're shying away from their responsibility to share with the world. I totally agree, but it's, and that's why part I, I did the podcast because I feel, you know, I put this conversation, for instance, out there and then it's going to get to the right people, the people that are looking for a conversation like this, yes. the people that need this conversation. But, you know, because I felt you cannot push this stuff onto people, you know, and I've been in no. sales all my life. And so I know I need to put something, you know, but it's not my style. It's like if people are not ready, actually, I think there's an aversion. And as I as I've been on my own personal journey, it's crazy how I become in a way more solitary, even if I'm a friend, I have a lot of friends, but a lot of my friends, they don't care too much about all these kind of conversations. Others do. Not everybody's the same. Everybody's in different stages, but I cannot connect on uh, at this level with many people. And that's fine. That's not where they are. And they they don't have the same interests, but but you do feel like oh my wish they would just tune into this episode. <laughs> well, well, just so so you just give them some time because, like I said, every comfort zone ends up in a wake up call. Their their wake up call will come, and they'll be ready to listen. And then we have to be there to support them, right? So all this stuff that we're sharing, by the way, this is never a judgment of anyone. I don't want anyone to feel like we're trying to insult or shame or judge. This is just trying to be open and honest. And when that wake up call comes, we're going to be there to support you. We're going to be there with the net to help you out. We're not going to, we're not going to say, we told you so that's not what this is because that's our ego. I, I never do that kind of stuff. It's just when you're ready, we're here for you. But, I, but it's funny. Um, here's a good one. A mentor told me this once, and this is how, this is my entire approach to business. A mentor once said, Josh, I like you just the way you are but I love you too much to let you stay where you are. Mm, beautiful. That's my approach. That's why I speak out. Even when people aren't ready to listen, I'm still going to speak out because it's the right thing to do. I love them too much to let them stay in that comfort zone, to let them stay living the lie. It's not right. So I'm going to speak out. They can reject me. No problem. I, I've, I haven't been offended in 17 years now. So <laughs> there's nothing. You're, no. You can't hurt me. It's okay. But I'm still going to speak out. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think you're totally right. And it's the the comfort zone always going to lead to discomfort. And I've shared this also in other episodes. But, you know, I come from a middle class family, was very lucky growing up. So by many people's terms, it's like, what problems does she have? Like, what problems? What's your discomfort? And I've shared. I think that was my discomfort because I lost one of my best friends at 17 in a tragic car accident. And then I lost another close friend's murder by her husband at 23. Yeah. That to me was my discomfort zone to know that I was living in a world, you know, of course, where at 17, you can die. She was with me the day before. I say, we'll see you Sunday. We never saw her again. And to live with the idea of now I get to do things that she never got to do. It yeah. felt so unfair. And it really caused a lot of suffering for me. So sometimes people think that you're talking about the discomfort zone. It's like, oh, yeah, you're self-developing. That's why you're growing. No, it's because the heat is coming from the place where you least expect it. That's right. And it's going to put you in a suffering mode. 
that unless you have the right tools to 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 deal with. You know, it's tough. And and like that, as you say, even now, you, you I always expect the punch. You know, where's the punch yeah, coming exactly. now from? Because as I just say, the I, I do believe that life is like a training, a curriculum on a university. And every time you clear a course, yeah. you're going to go into the next one. And it's going to be harder than the one you just had. That's right. And I, I always say at every level, there's a new devil. Uh-huh. I like right. that too. I <laughs> but like really, that. Uh, what you're saying is that, um, you know, most people think they're afraid of failure and that's why they, they tend not to take that next step because what if I fail, Josh, what if I fail? But that's actually not true. What most people are afraid of is success. They're afraid of, wow, what if I can do this? What if I start pedaling the bike and I start gaining momentum? Oh my goodness. The thing about success is you can't stop. That's what scares people. Once you start pedaling the bike, you can't stop pedaling. If you stop pedaling, you start coasting and then mm-hmm. eventually you fall over. Or as you pedal, you start pedaling faster. You start doubting yourself. What if I can't control the bike? What if I crash? What if I go too fast? That's what scares us, not failure. Mm-hmm. Nobody's afraid of failure, believe it or not. And I, I can I could prove it. There's a whole proof around this, but it's not failure we fear. It's actually our greatness. It's our success that scares the crap out of us. No, I think I have to agree with you. I, I think I'm on that boat. Like when I see things happening, I say, <laughs> why this doesn't end up happening? And I think it's because deep down, I like, I love my life as it is. <laughs> and I say, maybe if this happens, it's going to mess up what I have going on. Yeah, and so yeah. then that, that it's, it's counterintuitive, but it is. So I'm going to share with everybody, of course, all your resources, your incredible webpage. There's a lot of nuggets of wisdom like the ones you share. But I definitely have one more question because I, I saw in your webpage and, and, and you're big on the idea of, you know, you can get paid for simply being yourself. And I think this is something that a lot of people are going to say, hmm, I like that. And I know <laughs> we would need three hours probably for you to explain it. But just can you give us the high level of what you mean by that? Yes, absolutely. So the high level concept is very simple. Everything is monetizable. Everything. I don't, I don't care what you're talking about. Look, uh, you, you're, you're, you might be too young, Leticia, to remember this. I don't know. Well, but there used to be this thing called the pet rock. Do you remember the pet rock? No, but I wasn't raised in the U.S. So maybe okay. if it's a U.S. related. In the U.S., in the U.S., people would buy rocks with faces painted on them. Okay. It was mm-hmm. a multi-million dollar mm-hmm. company. Really? So I'm just, the whole point is everything's monetizable. Everything is monetizable. And I want to be very clear. When I say the word monetizable, people get kind of ruffled. Their feathers get ruffled because they're like, Josh, that sounds kind of businessy and and weird. And it makes me uncomfortable. Monetization is a transfer of value. That's all I'm talking about. When you provide value to someone, they provide value back to you. It's a balance. So when you provide a service, they need to provide something back to you. And the easiest way to do it is money because if I'm doing chickens, you're doing cows. How do we divvy up like how many cows equals how many chickens? And you know mm-hmm. what? Let me just give you eggs and chickens and you just give me money back and then I'll buy cows from you. So mm-hmm. that's the concept. So if this is true, which I promise it is, but let's say everything is monetizable. Why would you start a business or go to a company just for the purpose of making money? We always start with the money. What's the market need? What do I, what should I do that makes money? We always start with the money thing first, but don't start with what what I call the golden intersection. Start with three things. 
Start with your genius, which is what you do better than everybody else. Start with your expertise, which are those things, those skills that you that took blood, sweat, and tears and many years to develop. And then your passions. Where do you want to play? If you can take your where do you want to play, your skills, and your genius, start with that and come up with a value. Find a way to bring value to the world with those three things. I promise there's a way to monetize it. And that's how you get paid for being yourself. Well, I love it. I love it that you um, put it in very concise terms, actionable um, exercise. And this takes time, guys. It's not it something does. that you're going <laughs> to listen to this podcast and, and try to think as Josh and I talk. This is something, you know, you need to sit down. I would do it with a glass of wine. It always opens my mind, although people say, class yep. your mind. But I, I always touch a part of me and I, in no way I'm encouraging drinking heavily but something to relax and to allow you to tap into something that you normally don't tap into and just write down you know what it, it can be as simple as for me was i want to be an agent of change i want to prompt change yeah. and and uh, i thrive when i see a friend not convinced about doing something. And then after a conversation, you know, they, they give it a try. That for, right. it's, that's something in me that excites me. So find what is it that excites you and just take, take and then a take chance. the follow-up question. So you want to be an agent of change? The follow-up question to that is how? Because mm -hmm. there's so many ways you can be an agent of change. What's the right way for you to do it? How are you going to bring your genius, your passions, your skills to be that agent of change? Because that's unique to you. That's the cool part. That's unique to you, Leticia. And when you can do that, you can actually, you have no competition. No one can do it the way you do it. And you can charge a premium because rare things are worth more. And that means, oh, wow. see that? That's all nuggets of wisdom. So everybody, yeah. I definitely call on you to, to check Josh's webpage. Is there anything, Josh, that you're excited about that we haven't touched upon that you, I want to give you an opportunity. I know that you sound like you're excited about a lot of things, but anything <laughs> that I, I don't want the interview to end and say, oh, I didn't say, mention this. <laughs> no, no, nothing in particular. Uh, just that I want to make the case and I, I'll, I'll plant the seed. If anybody wants to learn more, reach out to me. But we're, we're stuck in this mode in corporate as well as business that we have to be professional. And I'm against this idea of professionalism for a couple of reasons. So professionalism means that you're one person in your business or your job, and you're a different person at home. But if you're two different people, which one is the lie? Are you lying to your family? Are you lying to your clients or to your company? Or maybe both. I want to challenge everybody. Let's not blur the line between professional and business. Let's destroy the line. Let's annihilate it. Being a human being in business or in your career is not only easier because you're able to be honest, it's also more profitable. And I'll leave it at that because the, the, the proof it. of that is there's just way too much to go into. But I promise if you can just relax, get rid of the facade, the ego, and just be a human being in business and your career, you will profit more than you ever can otherwise. Beautiful, beautiful uh, goal and finish line. Yes. And uh, you know that the last question I ask everybody is what makes you tick other than <laughs> enabling people to, you know, realize their full potential? Is there any activity or anything that you do that? Well, you, you share with us, you, you did a race. 
what is it? Where, what's your go-to thing when you feel particularly disconnected to yourself? Yeah, I do all kinds of things. So yeah, I do OCR, obstacle course race. Uh, I brew beer, fly airplanes, um, martial oh, arts. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so that, I, I, do, that's I, do, effort. I do a lot of things, but let me, I'll, I'll culminate in one thing. My goal is to be a one percenter and not in terms of money. I know everyone thinks one percenter like in terms of wealth. No, 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 no. A one percenter in the sense of I don't want to be mediocre and average in everything. I actually want to find something and I want to be the best at it. So I try many different things. So I'm, I'm always out there trying new things. And if I'm good at it, great. Like I'm doing poker now. That's my latest. I'm doing. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm learning poker. And that's why not? Good. You know, I did bodybuilding. I've done so many things. And I just. I, I want to make sure that I experience life and that I don't exist. So that's great. That's what makes that, me absolutely. <laughs> well, I love it because, you know, at the end of the day, the base of all that you said is curiosity. And you, yeah. you know, you resonate with so many of my guests that at the end of that question is hard because they all share a curiosity to keep learning. And I think that's key to, to, to a happy life is to not to be closed to learn new things and not to dismiss anything because you say, I don't like that when you haven't even tried. That's Just right. give it a try and have your own opinion about everything. And, you know, really the sky is the limit. 100%. So thank you, Josh. I, I want to thank you. This has been a wonderful interview. I've enjoyed it very much. I've, you've given me personally, you know, a lot of nuggets of wisdom <laughs> that are, are staying with me. And uh, so I am very grateful for that. Well, thank you. And hopefully everyone got something out of it. And that's always my goal. So if anyone wants to, learn more, reach out. Um, I'm public in social media, my website, everything. So I will put all the show notes and I'm sure that that definitely uh, people are going to check you out. I love your style and I love what you're doing. And thank you so much for being in Back to Basics. Thank you, Leticia. And you keep shining as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.